This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. All right, let's go 5 p.m. How are you guys doing? You guys ready to go? Hey, we're going to dive right in pretty quick. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to two places. One is Galatians chapter 6, and the other one is 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to get there, so go ahead and bookmark it. Put your finger in there. If you got a little string thing in your Bible, go ahead and put that in one of those. Or if you have your iPhone, not your Galaxy Note 7, which is going to blow up. Those have been banned. But if you have your iPhone, you can open up to YouVersion, your YouVersion app, and turn there. And just kind of hold that place because we're going to get to that today. Um, if this is your first time here, I want to welcome you. My name is Colby. I'm the pastor here. And we're in this series called Killjoy, talking about those people that really suck the life out of us. We all know those people. We have those people in our lives. And in fact, I want to personally invite you back next week as we wrap this whole thing up, talking about the haters, the critics, those people who have the gift of criticism that nitpick every little thing and often do, including you, all right? So we're going to talk about them next week, but this week, we're going to talk about the fakers, the hypocrites, and just so you know, Jesus never goes easy on the hypocrites. So let's start this way tonight. Turn to your right, look at your neighbor on your right. And now look at your neighbor on your left. (laughs) Look at the person behind you. Go ahead, if you gotta turn around, turn around, whip that neck around, do whatever you gotta do. Look at the person in front of you. All right, everybody kind of remember who's around you. On the count of three, I want everyone to point to the biggest hypocrite in the room. Here we go, one, two, I'm kidding, don't do that. Don't do that, all right? The reality is, Hypocrisy is something that we all deal with. In fact, it's the number one criticism that I hear from non-Christians about Christians and about the church. Working out with a guy at the Y, uh, and he knows I'm a pastor. He's not a church guy. Uh, He doesn't want anything to do with the church. And one time I asked him, like, man, why don't you come to church with us? Come check it out. I really think that you're going to like it. I think you're going to find it welcoming. You're going to be good. And he looks at me and says, I don't go to church because there are too many hypocrites. Exactly. That's what everyone says about the church. In one way or another, we all fit into that mold. Maybe you fit into that mold in a big way. Maybe you fit into that mold as a hypocrite in a small way. But the reality is we all have something inside of us, uh, a little bit of hypocrisy. So before we kind of jump into this, we're going to build an understanding of what what a hypocrite actually is. And here's why we're talking about this really tonight. Uh, and again, this whole series has not been really about those people, uh, the killjoys in our lives, more uh, as much as it is about us, about really first turning inwardly and looking at our own lives. And so the reality is, is this. It's becoming more and more difficult to distinguish between Christians and non-Christians in the world. 
This is what I mean when I say that. Like you have some people that, that say one thing, that, that talk a good game about their beliefs in God, but in reality, their lives don't reflect that at all. And if we would say, hey, there's something different inside of me that I've said yes to following Jesus, I've given my life to follow him, but my outward appearance, like my life doesn't look any different than anyone else's, something is wrong. And I submit to you that, that a lot of times what we do is we like to add a little bit of Jesus without subtracting the sin in our lives. And we will never be content as a church. I will never be content as a pastor of this church to have, have a church that just adds Jesus but never subtracts sin. We really should look different. Like you really should be challenged and changed by God's words. So that's kind of why we're diving into this tonight. So we're gonna build a working definition of hypocrisy. Uh, this is the, the, the word for hypocrisy that Jesus uses. It's the word hypocrites. Hypocrites. This word really means an actor or a stage player. It means one who hides behind a mask. So in a Greek play, this is how it would go. You'd, you ever seen one of those plays where the guys would put up a mask and they'd be like a, an angry face. And then the next thing you know, they put on a different mask and they're sad or they're happy. That's literally what this is referring to. It's referring to one who plays a role, but isn't the real deal. One who plays a role, but is not the real thing. In other words, they're a counterfeit. They're a counterfeit. They're a hypocrite. And again, Jesus never goes easy on these guys. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 15. There's one verse that really captures the essence of the problem of hypocrisy. Uh, starting in verse 7, calling out the Pharisees, he says this, You hypocrites! And then he quotes an Old Testament prophet. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Verse 8, these people honor me with their lips, but where are their hearts? They're far from me. He's saying they, they talk a good talk, but they don't walk what they talk, right? It, it's, it's very different. They're, they're, their hearts are far from me. They're actors in a play. They're wearing masks. They say one thing, do another. And again, the reality is this hits close to home. Because this happens, uh, this is a problem even among ourselves. I got an email maybe a couple years ago from a guy who said this. Uh, hey, pastor, you don't know me. Just writing his email. He said, but the other night I was at the Waterford Drive-In. And there's some guy flipping people off and starting fights. And I'm like, that's awesome. Why are you emailing me? But eventually I found out because he put this. The guy that was flipping people off and starting fights on the back of his car was this little bumper sticker. You know what it said? Elevate church. Exactly. Yeah, you're freaking out. Me too. And so it said elevate church. He's like, this is a guy that's flipping people off, and he's starting fights. And I'm like, dang. And by the way, if that was you a couple years ago and you're here tonight, listen, it's cool, man. It's cool. All right, all is forgiven. Put an extra 20 bucks in the offering when it goes by, and everything's good. I'll forget, I'll forget it ever happened, right? But seriously, though. Like, this is something that hits close to home. And by the way, if you have an Elevate Church bumper sticker, don't flip people off. And don't start fights at the drive-in theater, okay? Maybe at the Erie Speedway. I think people can fight there, and it's all right. It's fine. But don't, don't do that. And the reality is this. Maybe you don't realize this, but when you say one thing, you say you're a follower of Jesus, but you do something else like that, what you're doing essentially is flipping God off. You're saying, I'm claiming to live this way, but my life doesn't really reflect that 
at all. It's hypocrisy. And it's a problem, and you're going to encounter it in one way, shape, or form. They're going to be Christian hypocrites. Maybe it's the guy at work who talks a big game. You know, that guy who shows up, you know, on Monday and says, hey, man, you know, God really spoke to me this past weekend at church, and he starts telling you what happened. And then by the afternoon, he's cussing, he's swearing, he's saying inappropriate things about women. It's hypocrisy. Maybe it's the woman who talks about everybody. You all know who she is. She just gossips and gossips and gossips, yet she masks it in prayer language. Here's what she says. Ladies, we need to pray for sister so-and-so, right? Because she's doing, you know, X, Y, Z. It's, it's hypocrisy. And God hates it, or it's, or it's the, the kid who comes to elevate youth on Wednesday nights, and he's a spiritual warrior here on Wednesday, but during the week, he's cheating on tests or partying, partying hard on the weekend, or it's the guy who raises his hands, praise the Lord, you know, God is good, brother, it's a blessed day, and then he goes home and verbally abuses his family. It's hypocrisy, and God hates it. So the question that we have to wrestle with tonight is how do we handle the hypocrites? Like, how, how do we handle the hypocrites? What, how, how do we confront, you know, the, the counterfeits in our life? What's our role as far as that goes? Now, you might be here tonight saying, you know what, I, I'm not a Christian, and that's okay. I'm glad that you're here. I really am. Maybe you're just checking this whole church thing out. Someone invited you. You're just kicking the tires. I'm so glad you're here tonight. But let me just tell you, tonight you get to relax. You can sit back and relax. This isn't about you. Tonight... This is about those of us in this room that have claimed to follow Jesus, that have given our lives and surrendered to follow him. That's who we're talking to. That's who I'm speaking directly to tonight. And the question is, do we have a role in handling the hypocrites, in facing uh, the fakers? Should we get involved or should we just kind of stay away? Should we keep an arm's length from it? I want to talk first about what I would consider the two wrong extremes, all right? And the first one is this, what I'd call the hands-off approach, which is so common today. People will say, well, that's, that's his thing. You know, whatever makes him happy, that's fine. Or that's her thing. You know, whatever she's doing, that's fine. Where the word tolerance has become an idol in our culture, where we'll say, man, uh, people will say, well, judge not lest you be judged, right? Or you without sin, you know, cast the first stone. Like, that's their thing. That's not my thing. I'm not going to get involved. Where there's never any sense of helping a, a follower of Jesus overcome some sin pattern in their life. And I would submit to you that that is a wrong extreme. And a lot of times we stay so far away from that. Man, that's, that's their thing. I, I don't want to get involved in that. But we're not helping a, a fellow Christian out. Flip that around. The other extreme is the hypercritical person, the finger pointer, the ultra judgmental person that, that says, man, you don't do this right. You're not worshiping God right. You're using the, the wrong version of the Bible. You know, you can't do this or that. The, the hypercritical person that, that confronts without any love whatsoever. And I believe, honestly, there are few things that have caused more damage to the, the cause of Christ than the hypercritical Christian person who jumps down everybody's throat all the time. So the question is, do we have a role somewhere in between that? Like, is there, is there a happy medium? Should we even be looking for a happy medium? You know, what's, what's our part in that? Now, just to be clear before we move on, if you're a Christian and there's a non-Christian who's acting like a non-Christian, should you confront that person, yes or no? 
No. No. You don't have any right to confront a non-Christian for acting like a non-Christian, right? They don't know Jesus. It blows my mind when people try to hold someone that's not a follower of Jesus to the standards of Jesus. I hate that. It's, it's ridiculous. All you should do in that scenario is to love them toward God. Never be judgmental. Never kind of be critical about them, but love them toward God. You shouldn't, you know, confront that person. But in the case of Christian to Christian, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The Bible is, is filled with examples uh, where a Christian will confront another Christian lovingly to bring them back to a, a right place with God. We see it in the Old Testament. Many times God would raise up prophets. Prophets were the people who would speak on behalf of God. Uh, God's children would be like following further and further away from God, following um, other gods. And he'd raise up prophets to say, hey, 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 you guys need to come back to, come back to God. Like you say you love God, but you're worshiping idols. You're, you're, you're worshiping other, other gods. You need to come back to your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he raised up prophets to, to draw them back to God. Or you see in the New Testament in Galatians 2, where Peter and Paul uh, get into a confrontation because Peter was eating with Gentiles, and he was cool with that until this other group of Jewish um, believers would show up and he'd pull back. And he say, you know what? We don't want to hang out with those uncircumcised people. And Paul goes, you can't do that. You can't say one thing and then do another. That's hypocrisy. I'm opposing you, brother to brother. Or you read in Matthew 6, Jesus three times calls out hypocrisy. He tells him, he says, when you pray, don't pray to be heard. Right? That's hypocrisy. When you give, don't just give, don't just help to be seen, that's hypocrisy. Or when you go out and you fast, don't, don't fast so everybody knows it. Don't say, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm fasting. He says that's hypocrisy. So over and over and over in the text, we see Christians helping other Christians who are living in a way that's not according to God's word. So tonight, I want to get super practical. I want to offer three Goals when it comes to confronting other followers of Jesus. Three hashtag confrontation goals. If you want to write these down, we're going to start in Galatians 6 uh, in verse 1, and we're going to draw the first two goals from this text when confronting a counterfeiter. The first one is this write it down confront to restore. The goal in confronting someone is always restoration. It's never this sense of I'm right and you're wrong. Let's look at it starting in verse one. Paul said this, brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should what? Say it out loud. You should restore him gently. Restore him gently. The goal is never being right. The goal of, of confrontation is never condemnation. It's always restoration. But many times we'll confront, you know, just so we can say, hey man, I'm right and you're wrong. And that's never the, the attitude we should take on. It should be, uh, I'm not right, but I want to help you be right with God. The goal is always restoration. There's a huge difference. It's not, man, I'm going to show you the error of your ways. You know, I'm going to tell you how, how far you've missed the mark. No, the goal is to love someone back to love someone toward a right relationship with God and restore them gently. And there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. There's a 
helpful way to do it, and there's a hurtful way to do it. In fact, in every confrontation, you have two options. You can choose to give life in that conflict, or you can take life in it. And the reality is you might be dead right about your position, but the way you go about it could be dead wrong. You can either be helpful or hurtful. In fact, I've seen it done both ways. I've seen it done even in this church in a hurtful way where someone, man, maybe they messed up big time in their marriage. They had an affair. You know, they they were caught in a moment of passion or whatever, and they just got shunned. They're like, how could you, you know, and they just destroyed him, just kind of turned him upside down, and they gang up on him and all that, and just never with this thought of, of bringing him back into a right relationship with God, just all this, you know, just, you know, you're this, you're this, you're this, and just done. That wasn't helpful. It was hurtful. But I've also seen it done in a very helpful way. We had a, a small group of about five couples in this church where one of the guys in this group decided he was going to be an idiot and leave his family, leave his wife to chase some skirt at work. And the other guys, the other four guys said, nah, you're not going to do that. Like we agreed when we decide we're going to come together, we're going to live life together. You know, we're going to, we're going to lead each other one towards, towards God. We're not going to let you ruin your family. We're not going to let your children grow up to resent you. We're going to stand with you. And he said, I don't want any part of it. You know, I'm done with it. You can't convince me but they wouldn't give up. They said, man, we're on the side of your, your marriage. We're here for you. And for three months, these guys texted, they emailed, they met with them in a loving way and continued to, to pray for him for three months until finally this guy said, I don't know what I'm doing. You guys are right. I've ruined everything. Like, help me, what, what can I do? And this, this group got together, they pulled their resources together, and they, they got this couple um, marriage counseling. And their marriage is now completely restored. In fact, it's better than it ever has been because these guys said, you know what, we're not gonna let you do this. They stood together. There's a right way to confront. There's a right way to, to push someone into a right relationship with God. And the key is to do it loving Lee, to love him back toward rest, restoration. And if, if you ever are a part of something like that, this is what you've done. Let me show it to you in scripture. In James chapter five, verse 19, it says, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, like this guy did, he said, I'm done. I don't need this anymore. If you should, one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. When you confront brother to brother or sister to sister, there are times when God will call you. You have the responsibility to love someone back into a right relationship with God. The goal of confrontation is restoration, never condemnation. Confront to restore. Number two, number two is this, write it down. Confront with caution. Make sure you're careful. Let's keep reading in the same text. Brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch out, look out, or you may also be tempted. Be careful, confront with with caution, watch yourself. Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Because here's what happens. When you confront someone, the reason you're confronting them is because you think you're right, right? 
You think you're right, you think you're justified, you think you're the godly example in that confrontation. But the reality is, in that moment, you're susceptible to pride. Pride. And pride comes before what? Comes before a fall. So you gotta be careful, you gotta watch out to confront with caution. Pride comes before a fall. Be very careful when you think you're standing firm so you don't fall. So you don't fall. Often this is how it goes. You'll feel passionate about a sin in someone's life and you will want to confront it. And the reason why you're so passionate about it, maybe because it's your weakness or maybe because you've been impacted by that sin in some way, shape, or form. Whatever the reason is, you always confront with caution. I was talking with a, a young church planner a few weeks ago um, with ARC, the, the association, we're part of the Association of Related Churches, um, who's our church planting organization. I get to help coach these young planters in the Northeastern Territory of the United States. And I was talking with a guy who's, who's killing it, who's doing a really great job. I mean, he's, he's, he's running hard. I, I know how hard he's, you know, charging it. Um, and he's having a tremendous impact for the kingdom. But because of that, I also kind of saw him going down a dangerous path. And I said, hey, man, you, you're doing an excellent job, but you need to be careful. Like, don't, don't ever sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. Don't ever, ever do that. Make sure you're getting your butt home. You're spending time with your family. And he's like, you know what, Colby, you're right. You're right. I, I received that. Can you just pray for me? You know, and I, I need to work this out. I'm like, absolutely. So I had a chance to pray with him. And then as soon as we're done, he says, now, Colby, let's talk about you. I'm like, we're not talking about me. This isn't about me, right? This is about you. He's like, no, no, no. Let's talk about you. Because I know a little bit of something about the pace that you're running. And he goes, you know, church plant, a little over four years old, running 14 to 1,500 people on a weekend, five full-time staff. I mean, you guys are, are doing so much. You're doing less. You know, you're doing more with less. You guys are, are burning it at both ends. Let's, let's talk about you. What's your schedule like? And I had to think, you know, for a moment, I'm like, all right, well, Monday, um, you know, I, normal work day, you know, with the staff, I got a, I got a pastor's kind of uh, meeting, you know, downtown the mission at night. Tuesday is kind of staff leadership stuff. Wednesday, uh, just normal day, but also, you know, preaching with the youth Wednesday night. Thursday, six meetings throughout the day, Friday morning, prayer breakfast, Friday night, rehearsal for a wedding. Saturday, I had cross country with all the boys. Saturday night, I had that, that wedding to do. Sunday morning, preaching three times. Sunday night, preaching one time and a partridge in a pear tree, right? I'm like, all right, gone Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And he's like, Colby, look, I received it from you. You need to receive it from me. So you're working, you know, too many, too much, too much as well. Why, why am I so passionate about helping people in that area? Because I'm vulnerable to it as well. It's easy for me to see in others, and it's more difficult for me to see in myself. I'm not saying that if you decide you're going to confront someone who has a problem smoking crack, that in three weeks you're going to smoke crack. I'm not saying that, all right? That's not how it works. But I'm saying be cautious. Be careful so that you don't fall. Be careful when you think that you're standing tall that you might fall. Always, number one, confront with a goal of restoration. 
Not I'm right, you're wrong. It's I love you so much. I want to love you back to a right relationship with God. Number two, confront with caution. Be careful so you don't fall. And then number three, let me introduce this goal this way. Um, Maybe about two years, no, this is about three years ago uh, or so. Wade, Wade comes home from our, our Elevate Kids stuff and he's wearing this cross, this big cross uh, on a Sunday. And he's excited about it. I'm like, man, that's awesome. You made that. So cool, so cool. And then the next morning he gets up and says, man, I'm going to wear this to school. And do you know what went through my mind? I'm like, I don't want you to wear that to school. Like, I don't want you to be that kid. I don't want you to be the, the weird kid in school with the big cross, you know, telling people about Jesus. Here I am, the pastor of a church that all I want to do is tell people who are far from God about Jesus. I want to do that. Yet with my own son, I didn't want him to go to school as a first grader. As a first grader wearing this cross. And I was, I was broken when I realized that about myself. I was broken. I had to confront the hypocrisy in me. That's why number three is this, confront the counterfeit in me. Write that down. Because really it starts here. This series is not about pointing out the wrongs in other people. It's really about looking inwardly first. And there's a reason it's so difficult to see in ourselves. In fact, every time, you know, Jesus talks to the Pharisees, often he would say, you guys are blind guides. That's what he would call them. You're blind guides. Like you're leading people someplace and you don't even know where you're going. You can't even see your own hypocrisy because it's very easy to spot hypocrisy in other people. It's harder to see in ourselves. And there's no better example uh, as in 2 Samuel chapter 12 in the Old Testament if you've been around the church world, you know, for any period of time, you've probably heard this story. Uh, this is King David. King David was supposed to be at war, right? This was a time of year. The, the kings would go off to war. That's what they did. But because he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. And because he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. If you know the story, King David was, was hanging out on his rooftop one afternoon, and he sees Bathsheba bathing, and he's like, what's up? And so he has some people go and get this woman and bring her to the palace, and King David ends up sleeping with her. Now, he knows who she is because one of his mighty men, Uriah, it's his wife, but he sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, right? And then he's like, uh-oh, we got a problem. And so now he's like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? So he comes up with this plan. He's like, go get her husband. Bring him back from battle because he's where he should be, by the way. Brings him back from battle and says, all right, if I bring him here, obviously he's going to spend time with his wife. He's going to sleep with his wife. You know, and then they're going to think it's his baby. Boom, problem solved, right? Wrong. He didn't account for the character of Uriah. And so Uriah comes back and David's like, all right, go ahead and sleep, you know, you know, hang out with your wife. And he's like, no, 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 how can I do that? How can I sleep with my wife? How can I do that when my men are out on the battlefield, right? And they're, they're sleeping on the ground. There's no way I can do that. And so David's like, all right, plan B, I'm going to get him drunk. I'm going to get him drunk. And if I get him drunk enough, of course, he will go home, right, to sleep with his wife. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And so David's like, all right, plan C. He sends him back to the battle. Tells his men, hey, hey, put him in the front of the heaviest fighting. And when it just gets real crazy, pull back from him. And just in essence, David murders one of his friends, Uriah. And what does David do? He's like, that's done. Got away with it. 
right? But he didn't. And a lot of times you and I think the same thing about the hypocrisy and the sin that's in our life. We're like, got away with it. But he didn't because he's confronted by another, you know, fellow believer in God, the prophet Nathan confronts King David, and he confronts him with the goal to restore. This is what the prophet said. Hey, King David, let me tell you a little story. Sit back and listen to this. And you can see it here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. He says this, once upon a time, there were two men in a certain town. One was rich and the other was poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb that he'd bought. He raised it. He grew up with it. Uh, he grew up with his, his children. It shared its food. It drank from his, his cup. It even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. He's saying this guy had this one little lamb. It was part of his family. And then he says in verse four, now a traveler came, this beggar looking for some food to the rich man, but the rich man refrain from taking one of his own sheep or cattle that he had, you know, just numbers and numbers of to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, what did he do? He took the little lamb, the one lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And he's telling the story to David. I can imagine he's, he's just getting mad. He's like, that's terrible. That's awful. That's the worst thing I've ever heard of in my life. And look how he responds in verse five. It says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. That's how bad he was. He deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan looked at him, looked at the offender, David, and said, Ata Aish, Hebrew for you're the man. Ata Aish, you're the man. Time and time and time again, we will say one thing and do another. And in essence, we're flipping God off and God is looking at us saying, you're the man. You're the woman. Like it's easier for you to point at other people, but you're the guy. You're the hypocrite. You have the counterfeit in your Life. That's why Jesus said, cut it out. Quit pointing out the, the speck of dust in someone else's eye when you got a big, you know, honking log in your own. Don't do that. Instead, ask God, where's the counterfeit in me? Ask him to reveal what's, what's broken inside of, of you. For some of you today, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit convicts you of that area of your life. Maybe you're that guy. It goes, praise Jesus. You got all the lingo down, spiritual talk down. You got it down. But you go home every night, you turn on the computer, and you can't help but to look at pornography. What's that? It's, it's hypocrisy. Or maybe you're the, the woman who says, I'm a, I'm a woman of God. Yet you throw your husband under the bus, you disrespect him, you, you trample him every chance you get that's hypocrisy. Maybe, maybe tonight you walked in this room and you raised your hands in worship, but last night at the bar, you took those same hands you raised in worship tonight and you put them on someone that they didn't belong on. You know what that is? 
It's hypocrisy. Here I am, you know, telling this other guy, hey, man, you're working too hard. You're pulling too many hours. Don't sacrifice your family. And as I'm pointing at him, I got three fingers pointing back at me. It's hypocrisy. But the good news is this. When you identify it in your life and you, you, you repent of it, you know, watch, watch this. David realized that he was a hypocrite. In verse 13, it says, David said, I sinned against the Lord, right? He owned it. He owned it. He didn't shy away from it. He didn't excuse it. He said, I sinned against the Lord. And immediately Nathan replies, the Lord has taken away your sin. Just like that. When you recognize it and you repent of it, he removes it just like that. That's good news. And he restores you into a right relationship with him. And only then could David write this psalm, Psalm 51, a beautiful prayer. It says this, God created me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You guys remember this old chorus that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Here's the good news. Even as you identify the counterfeit in your life. And for some people, maybe it's a big thing. For others, maybe it's just a, a, a small thing, a tiny thing. But as you identify it and you repent of it, God removes it and restores you the moment you repent of that. What I want us to do tonight is just create some space, allow God to speak to our heart. So if everybody could just bow your head, just be still. Maybe tonight God has put his finger on an area of your life that you haven't been completely honest. Maybe you say one thing, yet internally, inwardly, you do another. Or maybe you say you're a follower of Jesus, but on the outside, if someone was looking at you, they wouldn't see any difference between you and those who don't claim to follow Christ. It's hypocrisy. And God hates it. But the reality is, I have it, you have it. We all have these areas in our life, but he is faithful. He is faithful. And as we reveal it and repent of it, he restores us into a right relationship with him. So tonight, maybe you're here because you just need that, that restoring. You just need that, that right relationship. You just need to be renewed in your spirit by a God who loves you. Because when you carry that around with you, see, God doesn't care about your appearance. He cares about the condition of your heart. And when you carry it around, Jesus says, I, I didn't die on the cross so you could continue to carry that in your life. I didn't die on the cross so you could just add a little bit of Jesus, but never subtract any of the, the sin from your life. And for some of you, Tonight, it's just an opportunity to respond and repent of that sin. Maybe, maybe, while you're praying, maybe there's someone that you need to confront. Maybe there's someone that you've kept at arm's length and you've said, that's not my problem, that's not my deal, but you love them. 
and they say they love Jesus, and you say you love Jesus, but you haven't been willing to have that hard conversation to open that door. Maybe you need to confront them. God, I pray that we don't walk out of these doors tonight the same as when we came in. We don't ever wanna be a church that adds a little bit of Jesus but doesn't subtract the sin in our life, but we wanna follow closer and closer to you. So help your word just, just hide in the depths of our heart tonight. And while we're praying, when I said, maybe those of you in this room, you're not a follower of Jesus. You've never given your life to follow him. The same that prayer that David prayed can be true for you. That as you confess Jesus as Lord, as you call upon his name, as you ask for forgiveness of your sin, that he is faithful and he'll renew a right spirit in you. The Bible says this, that as we confess Jesus as Lord with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. You're made new. You're given a fresh start. All that old hypocrisy, all that old, you know, fake life that you're living Maybe you know what I'm talking about when you look into the mirror and all you see are these dead eyes staring back at you. But tonight, God wants to restore you and give you a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. Maybe that's why you're here tonight. The way we do that's through prayer. Let me lead you in a prayer. Someone led me in a long, long time ago. You can pray this in your heart. Jesus, tonight, I surrender it all to you. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for... for for chasing me, for pursuing me, for constantly just drawing me to you. And tonight, Jesus, I'm responding to your spirit moving in my life, and I want to say yes to following you. I surrender to you. Just, just tell him that again. Jesus, I surrender to you. I confess you as Lord, and I believe that God raised you from the dead so I could be raised to a new life in Christ as well. So tonight, I'm starting over. I'm set free in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.